can you share a bit more about house space like what you are doing as a company and kind of where you are in your growth journey currently yes so at the moment we are around 80 people working in 10 plus countries working in a remote first way uh, we are in the in the business where uh, we have been like creating a platform for several purposes and now we we are <clears throat> like uh, uh, pivoting a bit our, our business to be like putting everything together so the the category that we are creating at the moment is currently called as transformation design and implementation platform that contains several elements for workshopping learning programs community approach and and like a general long-term collaboration and we are strongest when there, there's plenty of people participating into the processes that are facilitated on top of house space our revenue last year was 7.2 million euros and we have customers close to 50 different countries at the moment and then we have a huge network of partners who are using house space as part of their own work their customer work in most cases close to 200 partners all, all over the world great you mentioned mentioned there remote first is it something that you've been basically from day number one building a remote first company or is it something that changed uh, during the years so um we have some practices that we have been utilizing for maybe 15 years or so we have been like uh, english speaking company all that time and then we have great experts in different countries so even we still have offices like in, in uvascular where we are originally from and and in helsinki and in stockholm quite a lot of people also in the, those towns they are working from home so we have nice offices but still people prefer to have autonomy to decide where and when they work so this kind of quite out, quite autonomic culture is part of how we operate and part of that is possibilities to work wherever you like to work yeah i've been so, thinking kind of for ourselves whether whether we should have an office or not currently we are working like fully remotely we don't we don't have an office we do have a and i feel like if you're fully remote it's kind of rather easy if you are all in the same place it's easy but the hybrid one is the most challenging one actually like because then easy like if some people are in the office they are kind of building their own culture on the office and then there are people who are never visiting the office and then they have a different culture like have you had challenges around kind of having kind of two different groups of people in a way yeah and even more than two so different regions are adding the cultural layer to the culture and, and so on yeah i think people have find found the flexible way so i think once people are at the office they are mostly wearing headset so they are connecting to other parts of organization and, and to customers sometimes when visiting helsinki office for example it feels like everyone is somewhere else even they are present 
so that uh, but but what what is the richness of of having offices is this kind of uh, unofficial discussions that is really hard to create remotely yeah i i totally agree on that one if i think about my previous place where i worked most of the time remotely but every now and then went to the office i felt like the office days were <laughs> Uh, I would say they were important and there was really kind of a lot of those discussions with colleagues, but I felt like I didn't kind of get anything done from my to-do list or haven't had a chance to have sales calls with customers or anything like that. But it was like valuable, but in other other way, I would say. Yeah, that's correct. And and I'm located in Yvaskula and when I visit Helsinki office, I try to keep my calendar as open as possible. So that in my role, I can hang around and have uh, like small discussions here and there, probably disturbing others job while hanging around. But I think it's it's important to to build the, the relationships and connections as well. So work is not all about just getting things done done. It's also about relationships, and and the relationships are helping us to get things done and. And there needs to be like special time reserved for those purposes as well. Exactly. You you mentioned there that kind of from the beginning as well, the kind of internal language was English and there was the kind of remote opportunity. Was it mainly because kind of you wanted to build an international company or did you felt like that you can basically get a larger talent pool, better talent when you don't kind of set up like, hey, you need to be sitting in Helsinki or Uvascula, you need to be speaking Finnish or what was the kind of reasoning behind there? It was pretty simple. We got our first English speaking employee that time. And and then in order to keep everyone on board, we shifted, especially our written communication to, to English so that all the documents are in English and and of course if we have a group of only Finnish speakers and there's no one listening to us we are speaking Finnish but but if someone is like in hearing distance then we switch to English so that no one is feeling like uh, outsider yeah that's good I I think about kind of from our perspective currently we are a team of only finnish speaking people but we do have you know international growth goals we do have international customers already and if we look at the kind of language thing like our slack for example we are speaking finnish over there but if we are looking any documentation we are doing uh, we are building everything in english already kind of make sure that <laughs> when that moment comes and i i know it comes quite quite soon that we don't need to be translating everything everything in English at that stage so I think it's a good good decision to go grow from there but when, when did you kind of hire first people like outside of Finland like working not from Finland but some other other country that's already like more than 15 years ago mm. so it has been long long history already and what is quite funny, you know, when you are in an online meeting and then there's someone who is speaking English in there and, and then when that person leaves, we suddenly realize that, hey, we could actually speak Finnish. Or in the Slack or house space, it might be that 
shifting be between languages is pretty natural, but, but uh, suddenly you realize that, oh, I'm using wrong language in this discussion. Everyone else is speaking Finnish in here or writing in English and, and, and then, then you, you're like uh, a bit embarrassed to, to realize, oh, I should translate my, my communication to, to the other one. Yeah, I, I remember having some similar experience in my time in advanced B2B, for example, on the kind of starting of the week, if you speak English and then suddenly there's only Finnish speaking, Finnish speaking people, people left and then the language still, still goes in, in English. But I can imagine that, you know, you, you are not, not super big company, but still like 80 people. It is quite, quite a lot of people, international people in different places, for sure, like a lot of challenges regarding leadership as well. But then at the same time, I kind of know that you don't have leaders in a, in a sense that kind of normal, normal companies are having. So can, can you talk a bit more on that kind of your organizational structure, how you ended up in in the model that you are currently currently working at? Yeah, that's something that um, is always a work in progress. 2017, we, we were seven people. And in a couple of years being like more than 10 times that, it requires some changes in, in, the, uh, in, in the organization structures. And we try to be pretty agile. So we are trying different structures. We highly uh, appreciate collaboration and, and see that the best things are happening when different kinds of talents are coming together. And uh, so what I would like to see always in an organization where I'm working is that people should be able to uh, give their best possible efforts and they are not limited by leadership or too tight structures or processes. And at the same time, when you are getting more international, there's bigger teams, multiple cultures, then it's not beneficial to, to stick on something that worked with a local team in Uvascula originally. So we have to find the structures and ways. So what kind of forums are needed? What kind of decision-making structures are needed? So when you already have 80 people, It's some kind of combination of like teal type of organization, but still having the structures that can can take you forward. We are not talking about management team. We are talking about navigation group. That is the one who is like trying to shift the direction when needed and and is is in somehow in control of, of the business and still uh, being as teal as possible so that the structures are not hindering people to to be the best versions of themselves. And it, it's always like balancing between those. Yeah. So it's easy to be fundamentally something and then being some kind of mix of different approaches is something that we are working on at the moment. So like defining our culture. In the beginning, uh, like from 2017, we had a strong internal guiding principles that we are like revisited all, almost almost on monthly basis so that what what is our culture what are our values about and those need to be revisited they started to uh, behave like like uh, like organizational 
practices or part of daily routines, even they, they were not meant to be, that they were more like values that are guiding us. And if you try to be like 100% value driven, it it's like, it can be demanding for the business. It can, it can. And I've been thinking about kind of, when we think about those things, like how we are kind of able to recruit people who kind of fit those things. So there is basically, I, I think there are maybe kind of three things. Like first there is, of course, you know, the skill set of the, you know, actual skills that you need in that position. If it's sales, like what kind of sales skills this person has, or is marketing, like can this person write content or do beta advertising? Then secondly, there is kind of those things that are say, st- still skills or mindset kind of stuff, like can they lead themselves or uh, are they able to give feedback or things like that? And then maybe thirdly, like do people share the vision of the company, the values of the company? And I think like one, one thing that I've been struggling a lot and would be interested to hear, hear your thoughts on the fact that I, I believe that in your kind of organization, you want to have people who are able to lead themselves uh, quite a much. Like how to test that one in the recruitment process? Because that, that is something that I, I've been I've been struggling a bit and kind of trying to figure out like how, how you can test that one. Yeah, you can, of course, ask like, hey, are you able to lead yourself? But I, <laughs> I think that's not the correct way of doing that one. Like how, how have you approached that one? Well, that's a good question. Um, so we have quite a specific recruitment process. We have internal recruiter who is really, really good at her job. And she has been and is always like developing the way of, of doing doing the job. So because we are hiring colleagues, there's always plenty of people who are involved in the recruitment process. Already when we are like... Uh, defining the the role description it's done in a collaborative way so several people are coming to house space where we are like co-writing the description and adding layers to the original description and then there's like different interviews several interviews some of them are like about your expertise in, in in the area and there's cultural interview that is a separate one. We have templates where we are documenting those things. Uh, and we try to uh, move on in a way that if there's any kind of red flags, we will drop the candidate so that there needs to be a fit in all those three three, three areas that you mentioned so that it, it's a fit. And then... What is really interesting is that uh, people have entered the company in different phases. So those who have been with us for five years, when we were like 10, 20 people, it, it was a different company. And then uh, how new people are, are joining the company, how the people who have been with us for a longer time, how flexible they are in understanding that that, okay, we are a bigger company, we need some structures, we need some processes. There, there is some things that, that must be done in order to be, for example, data-driven company as we would like to be. So the data needs to be like uh, done 
all the documentation like from marketing and sales processes in order to measure it it has to be in place and uh, has to be uh, followed and so there has been a lot of discussion about autonomy so what does it mean in our company and is it all right to have autonomy with uh, with CRM system and if there is then we don't have like any accurate data to like uh, like make business business decisions but instead of like collecting data for the management purposes our approach is that everyone have access to data and it's like part of your own decision making by yourself or by your team or squad as, as we are calling the customer facing groups at the moment so that uh, there, there needs to be like flexibility that uh, and even when there's processes that you have to follow uh, it's important to recognize that what is the place for autonomy and how to balance between those two exactly and i think what you mentioned there regarding an hiring colleagues I, I think that that is a good good way of putting that one and kind of making sure that you are finding person for the for the team and i i've seen so many kind of failed recruitments where organizations are not kind of participating everyone inside of the organization for them for their recruitment and typically that, that is very important but it's very challenging as well i i just did a head of sales recruitment for uh, one of our customers. And it was so fun to see like everyone disagreeing inside of the company, what we actually need, you know, CEO wanted something, sales team wanted something, CTO wanted something else. And then you're kind of navigating through all the wish lists from all the perspective, which is like super valuable to get the big picture. But then I think at the end you need someone in your case, I think the, your your talent acquisition lead uh, to kind of go through all the opinions and then kind of finalize the <laughs> needed profile of what you can really you know find from the market. Of course, it's nice to have those wish lists of uh, all the all the things that you you would like to have, but it needs to be something that you actually can have from the market as well. Yeah, exactly. So, and and I think uh, the part of writing the description is important that the alignment happens already in there and when you have cultural alignment as well you not you don't have to like discuss about the cultural issues uh, in every recruitment process separately so that you can lean on the the, uh, the cultural aspects that have been like internalized by everyone in the, in the company mm. but you you mentioned regarding um, you wanting to be a, a data-driven company uh, for sure. Like some some extent, you are are already, but there's always like something to something to do do better. And I, I've been having these discussions lately regarding uh, kind of recruitment people data. And what, what I've noticed is like typically different people have different data that they are interested in. So, for example, a recruiter might be interested about number of applications that we are getting or something like that but if you look from a kind of founder perspective like what what is interesting data for you like regarding talent acquisition hmm. i think there's different layers so 
of course, the, the work history is important. So when we are in, in SaaS business, uh, experiencing this field is important. And then uh, it's always balancing between like how experienced people we would like to have. And if they are really experienced, are they ready to make their hands dirty and, and do the practical job that we still need when we are 80 people? There cannot be like just experts leading others. Everyone has to be really, really working, working uh, in practical issues as well. So that kind of willingness to, uh, for example, if you are already an experienced SaaS professional and you have been uh, doing the, the journey that we are taking today and then you are like coming back to the earlier stage it's easy to like uh, think that okay i continue as i did and and that's really important part of the the uh, interviews as part of recruitment process that that are you are you really willing to work are you really uh, still capable of doing things in practical level and it might be that people are used to have like a big team around them and then there can be like just a couple of people or, or you are doing it alone and still you need to survive and get things done then the the cultural things we have been like fine-tuning the questions that are somehow digging deep in the, the behavior side of, of people so asking about the biggest mistakes or what did you do in, in tough situations and and how did you respond to certain challenges in your job and that is telling quite a lot of a lot about the candidate mm. yeah those are those are typically very <clears throat> very opening opening questions mm. maybe lastly like now we've been talking a lot about kind of the acquisition side of things. So how do we get people in? But I think even more important part is how to make sure that the people we get in are staying, uh, they are performing, they are happy and all that. C can you share a bit more about kind of the retention part of things? Like maybe first a little bit of background on that one. <laughs> like, would you say that you have succeeded over there? Would you say that you have had some challenges over there or How's the how's that part looking from kind of numbers perspective? Yeah, I I wish that I could say that we have done perfect job all the time, but that's not true. I think everyone is making mistakes, and and uh, I think for us the most important part is that we have a strong vision and, and mission that why do we exist? Why? why are we in this business and what is the good for the world and planet and humankind that we are doing and really like uh, do it in practice as well and then there's like many many different aspects one being like the career path and when you have a flat organization it doesn't build the, the traditional way of getting up in the ladders of organization and and uh, what is typical for most of the organizations is that part of the organization is executing the things that management ha has decided 
and uh, then if you are just like delivering and you are not allowed to think i think that's that's like a horrible part of, of the work so balancing between those things that how can you feel that even without new position you you can feel that you are appreciated and you are moving forward and you are learning and you are developing and once we are like having roles and hierarchies it easily creates that situation that, that others are developing the, the job and others are just doing it and what i i really wish is that everyone in our organization could think that they can like have 100 percent their brains on on the job and they are not just closing them down once they are entering the office or starting their work day and and just delivering and doing just like quantitative stuff that they are measured of but they, they should be like there should be places for reflections and, and co-creation and and developing the business and then at the same time balancing that in a way that, that we are not just keeping and having internal meetings where we are developing stuff we need to be able to execute as well and like reflective practices are part of everything we do so for example in re recruitment we all, always have a, a closing meeting where we are reflecting about the process and how the process could be developed and how everyone was involved in the process and how did it work and what can we do better in the next case also when, when there's when there's exit discussions it's important to collect all the learnings from there on a weekly basis uh, the customer facing teams are having reflective team meetings where they are checking out what happened this, this week where we succeeded what can we improve so that, that all your knowledge is utilized by yourself and your colleagues Sounds good. And what you mentioned regarding career paths is actually, I think, quite interesting. I feel like lately there's been a lot of discussion that kind of the traditional way of career paths is that you know if you are a professional, super good at what you do, basically the only way to go up or earn more money is to take a leadership position or a team lead position. Uh, but I just listened to a podcast episode there was i think it was a president from a spotify spotify uh, shopify and he was talking about the fact like how they've been trying to build up actually career paths for people who wants to be an expert on their field so you can kind of uh, really really focus on something that you are good at like no need to take a leadership position and that cannot be the only way to make more money and i i like that approach ton of times you know good salesperson becomes a head of sales and things doesn't work out or something like that so i think if you're an expert it doesn't mean that you are a good leader and i think it's kind of good that 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 is changing all the time yeah exactly i fully agree maybe hey lastly you you, you mentioned that you are having this kind of retrospectives where you go through like what, what has been working what what hasn't been working what, what would you say uh, kind of if you could now go back time let's say not the whole whole journey but but maybe the last four or five years when you've been kind of growing rapidly and you could take out like one biggest learning regarding hiring people what to do differently 
like if you would start all over again like what what would that one one thing be yeah that makes me think a lot so um of course one simple thing is that uh, when you are scaling up your business you should scale up only the things that you are 100% that they already work and so not being in too much in a hurry to move forward without having a proof that that things work and then one thing that we have been like struggling with is like when talking about sales is that how much domain expertise is needed uh, to be successful in in our organization and uh, then part of the solution has been that that we don't have to be perfect in all areas of the business but if you are a great salesperson and and you can close the deals and you are able to collaborate with domain experts so that you can bring in early enough your colleague who knows the business of, of the prospect then working as a pair works greatly and while you are working with your colleague with different kind of expertise you you cannot hinder your own learning you you, you will be becoming an expert in the domain area as well and especially when you are listening customers carefully and, and understanding their world so i think learning is highly important and in the context of the real work so uh, we we believe in social learning and, and collaborative learning and it's part of our product as well and and one part of our business is that we would like to be an organization uh, that is a great example of organizations how they operate because our platform is about developing organizations and doing uh, transformations in a way that are involving people so we need to eat our own dog food and that's a wrap for today's episode thank you so much for listening hopefully you got a lot of good ideas about SaaS talent acquisition if you enjoyed the episode feel free to share it on your social so others can hear it too and if you have a topic in mind that you would like me to cover in this podcast share it with me as well i'm samuli ceo and co-founder in talently where we help fast-growing SaaS companies in their talent acquisition. Make sure to follow us, make sure to follow this podcast and have an awesome week. Bye-bye.